Welcome to another episode of Pod Club. The podcast about podcasts for people who listen to a lot of them. I'm Brittany. And I'm Lauren. And we're cousins who took our obsession with podcasts and started a club. So join us. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Brittany girl. We're back again. What you been up to this week? Nothing much. I'm excited to be here no. with my tea and my favorite mug, mm. Mrs. Renfro's. Mm. Love that. It's my favorite salsa. I've talked to you about this before. The best green salsa there okay. is. Mrs. Renfro's green salsa. You're welcome. Yes. Use it while you're cooking things. What about you? What's going on this week? What happened this week? I worked quite a bit. More importantly, I cooked because I'm trying to get back into cooking with joy because I was cooking to survive. And that is when I knew I needed to recalibrate, honestly, when I was just cooking to survive. But I made wonton soup yesterday. I made the dumplings a bit too big. So I, I that was just my first mm-hmm. time making it. So we'll figure out the rest after that. But this week has been good. I have my regular Marshall's cup. It has nothing on there, but I love the pattern of it. This was the first coffee mug that I bought in my very first apartment. Oh, so I love that. For me, yes. I have one more with a similar pattern, but it's more of a, a wider, it's a wider cup. But in here is just some black coffee with hazelnut creamer. That is my favorite creamer. So that is what I have. Oh, today. I guess I didn't tell the listener what's in my mug today. It's like a rose lavender chamomile blend. I can't mm. remember the brand, but it's a very delightful tea. It actually says love on it. It comes in this pink sachet or sachet. Girl, I don't know. But a pink <laughs> packet that says love on it. It was a gift of, from a friend of mine who sent me a care package when mm-hmm. I was in a bit of a low point. So I'm having that tea mm. today. <laughs> love it. What a yeah. great friend. Yeah. But your wonton soup does sound delicious, though. It was good. It was a lot easier. No, well, okay. The broth making mm-hmm. was easy. The dumplings. <laughs> I said, man, how many more of these do I need to make? It's just well, me. You know, like, if <laughs> so, you make a bunch of them, freeze them. Yes, them I will. I have some leftover, yeah, that I'm going to eat today. I still have some sheets left over or the wonton wraps mm-hmm. or skins left over. But yeah, that was more tedious yeah. than I thought. I didn't think anything, actually. It was just, oh, I got to make these. <laughs> so from here on forth, I will never question the price of wonton soup because mm-hmm. now I get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell the listener who cannot see you, what shirt do you have on today? Honey, this is Renee. The Renaissance. Renna, 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 Renaissance. <laughs> yes, it's from when we went to go see the beloved queen in London. I yes. wear this shirt. Yes. Shout out to Mia. Shout out to you, Mia. Another cousin. We Another went on a cousin. Little, cousin, little girl trip to London. Went to go see Beyonce. Uh-huh. Went to Paris. It was no time Patty. was had. It was a time. A yes. lot of walking. But And that is where we learned... <laughs> I take small steps and learn glides. <laughs> yes. Yes. You and Mia both take small steps. But here's the thing, listener. Brittany's taller than Mia. So how are they taking the same steps? <laughs> well, we counted the steps at the end of the day, walking through Paris. They were neck and neck. And I'm like, I'm neck not that neck. much taller than y'all. I don't understand how I take so fewer <laughs> steps than you. So we did a little experiment. From the bed to the door. We all, all of us walked in our normal gait, only to discover that apparently I take one and a half steps to every step that these two girls take. It was insane. It was insane. While Mia was also saying, y'all know my right foot is crooked. <laughs> We're like, no, we don't. What are you talking about? Right. Oh my God. It's hilarious. Love you, Mia. I miss you. See you on Monday, anyway, girl. Aside that, I can't stop wearing this shirt. I, are there, it's a I lovely mean, shirt. All the tour shirts for that concert were really good. I wear them no, they all were the really, time. Really good. 
especially mm-hmm. this one. That's you can dress one. it up, dress it down. Today I'm in the '90s vibe mm-hmm. with my baggy jeans, but like it's just I got it oversized intentionally. Love this shirt. Mm-hmm. Love this shirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good one. But I love your one. shirt. HBCUs. Thanks. Help heal trauma. Absolutely. It's all HBCU love over here. I'm a fellow HBCU grad, grad, and so is Lauren. I am. Hampton University, stand up. Period. Prairie View A&M University, stand mm-hmm. up. Speaking okay, of, that. I contributed to a book called HBCU Made. Yes, I need to purchase. Um, Thank you for reminding me. Can you resend I the link? I will send you the link. But it's called Thank HBCU you. Made, and it's a collection of stories of HBCU grads. It does not cover all HBCUs just yet. Maybe there'll be mm-hmm. other volumes. It all depends on how well this book does. But Aisha Roscoe is mm-hmm. the one that brought us all together to tell our stories of our love of HBCUs. And I'm so excited. This is the first time I've ever been published. Yeah. And I'm kind of hungry for more. So definitely yeah. look out. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes, like for you to order. Yes, I was just about to, to say that. Book, read my story, of course, my little essay of when I first got <laughs> to Hampton University and all the other stories. Oprah's in there. Stacey Abrams Shut is up. in there. Aisha Roscoe's story is wow. really endearing and wonderful to hear because I know her personally. So to, just to hear her story was mm-hmm. really interesting and where she came from so and dope. how she made her way to her HBCU. But there's some notables in there. I'm really proud of it. Really excited that I was chosen to participate and that they felt my essay was good enough to make the cut. So wow. definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I need to purchase. I've been meaning to ask you for it. So I'm glad that yeah. that came up. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Yay. So let's get into our episode. Is there anything more exciting than the topic of food? There isn't. We're diving into the world of food, but with a sexy little spin, honey. Yes, indeed. So, listeners submitted for the approval of Pod Club, we discuss Black Girls Eating featuring Chef Risha. Okay, listener, I'm very excited to introduce this podcast in particular because it's about food. Mm. Like you said, who doesn't love food. Okay. So Black Girls Eating is hosted by Candice of Food Love Talk and Tenoria of Tenoria's Table. They join together to celebrate Black culture, Black girl magic, food, and the rich foundational history that Black culture has contributed to food. This show came out in 2021. On this particular episode, they have Chef Risha of Cardinal Dish is a traveling personal chef, baker, and food blogger. So the title of this episode is The Sexy Side Mm. of Food. Don't we love that? (laughs) So first impressions of the pod. You go first, Lauren. I love anything that's talking about food. Let's be honest. And I love Black girls. So Black girls talk about food, we in there. Cheers. Exactly. <laughs> we in there. Exactly. Um, I like how passionate the hosts were. And I, I haven't listened to it in quite some time. So this, I feel like a new listener listening to this episode because I haven't listened to it in a while. Mm-hmm. But I love how passionate they were about food. I do feel they tackle a lot in this, in the framework of their po- of their podcast, or they're trying to tackle a lot in the framework of their podcast. So there's times where it feels a little bit disjointed. But I see what they're doing and I do like Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. This was my very first time listening to this podcast. It's definitely added on the list for sure. I, as a first time listener, 
it did feel a little disjointed. And I don't know if a part of that was because of the guests that they had on because they wanted to tell more of her story. So maybe that was a part of it. And maybe if I go back and listen to the previous episodes, maybe I'll get a different experience, a different listening experience. But what I can appreciate is their love Mm -hmm. for food because I love food. I know you love food. And so at least from my experience in listening, it did feel like a warm, come on in, let's talk yeah. about food yeah. kind of thing. So that I did love, which again prompted me to follow the show. And so this will be probably, depends on how, how often they, mm-hmm. they post their episodes, but this will be on the list of, of a consistent list. Yeah, I definitely want to go back and listen, start listening again, because every mm-hmm. guest brings about different things. So maybe this was just that one episode where for all we know, they recorded three, four hours of audio and they had to get it down to like the juicy bits or the most important bits to try to tell the story. So I'd be curious to listen again to other episodes to see how things come across. And because I do think they are trying to tackle a lot. They talk about culture, history. I think Mm -hmm. politics is, it's all kind of in their tagline when they introduce the show. So that's a lot to tackle in a podcast about food, which is very possible. I think When you think of Mm. high on the hog, Mm. it's very possible to talk about these things within that context. I just think maybe in this episode, it just felt a little disjointed to achieve that. Well, since you've listened before, because what Splendid Table is a food Mm -hmm. podcast that I'd imagine we'll review at some point. When you were when you started listening to Black Girls Eating, did it emulate Splendid Table? No, it's vastly different. Splendid Table is they're specifically talking about food and only food. Only in mm. the recent years with Francis Lamb, and I don't want to go too far down the splendid table since we're talking about Black girls eating, with the new okay. host, Francis Lamb, he has gotten more into the culture and history behind certain things. And uh, to some extent, Splendid Table has always done that, but that's not its goal necessarily. I think okay. Black girls eating is a bit more nuanced in trying to understand our identity with regard to food. And I think it's an important space for us to fill, right? I think they're doing for important sure. work in that way. So it's very different. Two two totally different okay. podcasts. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and listen because uh, I, I wonder if because the title is Black Girls Eating, right? Is it about food in particular? Or is it just like every sense of the word, like Black Girls Eating? Ooh, you know? so Black I don't Girls know. Eating. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, she, she ate. ate. What, like, what's four plus four? Dang, it's eight. <laughs> I didn't think about that. So it makes me wonder. That's why I asked if it's kind of like Splendid Table, because I think in Splendid Table, they're like cooking. So you hear the sizzle, you hear all these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Black Girls Eating, but if it's, Black girls eating in every sense mm-hmm. of the word, then I get why it's as expensive yeah. as it is with what I, they cover. You know what? That puts a different little lens on it for me. And maybe that makes it a little, it makes it feel a little less disjointed. Good mm. point. But I don't think, I, I don't remember feeling like it was disjointed in the past. So again, it's, it, sometimes it depends on guests and like yeah, what comes up in that conversation where you can, you know how, even mm-hmm. with us, like, we can have two hours of footage of uh, audio because you say something that brought this up, that brought this up, and and it you can get carried away. So you know, mm-hmm. all that's possible. Yeah, yeah, but certainly one that I definitely recommend. Like I said, you can clearly hear their passion about what it is that they're trying to do. And again, who doesn't love talking about food? So this episode in particular, I don't. I honestly don't have a marker. 
I don't have okay. a marker. I grew up around good food. My mom could cook her behind off. The whole family, really. So I don't have a, a point where it's like, I love food. It's like I'm eating delicious mm-hmm. food. I think only when you leave your house or you're in somebody else's mm. home do you realize y'all eating real crazy out here. <laughs> It's real different. I don't know what's going on, song. but mm, it's not the same. But I, I can't, I, think, I don't know that I have a, a mark in time or an incident or a realization of when I love food. I've always loved food. Yeah. Yeah. Same. That's so funny when you said probably from the womb, because my mom specifically told me when she was pregnant with me, kind of the main thing that she could keep down was noodles. Uh-huh. And who would know that I would love pasta so much? I was like, this is your fault. Listen. <laughs> it's your fault. And also, who doesn't love pasta? There are people who are just like, okay with it. But these are the same people who eat to survive. They don't eat to enjoy. Out of enjoyment. Mm. And those people just, I'm so incompatible with those people. It's not even funny. Same. Because like, I just, you don't see the spread. <laughs> Appreciate what's in front of you, please. Like, I understand but we could be different. We can be different. Life can be different. We're just incompatible. Right? We're just <laughs> incompatible. Yeah, there, that's for a point. But similar to you, I've always loved food. My mom can throw down. And as a result, she has passed that down to me. And she is so like through the moon that me and my brother mm-hmm. love to cook. Because Jordan can cook really I haven't well. experienced Jordan cooking. And as I just adult, get a kick out of yeah. that. I get such yeah. a kick out Girl, of that. Girl, he'd be in there whipping. Because, listener, you have to understand, like, there was a point in time where I was babysitting Brittany and babysitting her little brother. <laughs> and so the idea, that little boy with his big old head <laughs> is up somewhere in somebody's kitchen <laughs> cooking food, cracks me up. I get such a kick out of that. Girl, he made the gumbo when we hosted Thanksgiving, what was it, last year or the year before? He made gumbo and it was absolutely uh, delicious. I love that. Like, he did his big one, for I sure. Black boys be eating. <laughs> but now he, he loves cooking. In fact, I talked to him the other day and we were talking about different recipes. I was like, ooh, you should try this. And like, it was a really fun conversation. So he, he loves it. But I have literally loved food since I can, since I've been here on this earth. Like some of my, our family members will be like, dang girl, <laughs> you love to eat. Yes, I do. It's not my fault that you all made really good food and I'm going back for seconds. I mean, unapologetically. I, okay. I, I, I take that back. I was going to say, who doesn't love eating? I think we all love eating in the family. What is that to say? Mm-hmm. When people are like, hey, you love to eat. What are you actually saying? Right. Or telling me to slow down. Lee, I feel like I am in my own world and I think you should mind your business. Here's the thing. <laughs> I do agree. Everybody should slow down. Here's why. How are, are you tasting it? I was like 12, okay? And I probably was, but I was hungry, okay? okay? That's fair. Leave my 12-year-old self. But sometimes alone. I see people, mostly men, shoveling. Mm. I'm like, take a second. You are triggering Slow the down. Torian woman in me. I need you to experience this with all of your senses. And I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> Slow <Yeah>. down. <laughs> like you're not appreciating yeah. this at all. Slow yeah. down. Yeah. I love when you like, I don't know if this is what you do, but- I'd imagine you probably do, but when I take a first bite of something, I try to see or sense what the flavor profile mm-hmm. is. Like what seasonings did they use? Ooh, I could add a little acidity to this if I were to make this at home. So I don't know if you do that. Not most of the time, no. Like if I'm going to a restaurant, having an experience, I think there's different modes that I'm in. There's 
someone else picked this place. We're just getting together as girls, depending on who picked it. It's just going to be fine. <laughs> right. So I'm not going yeah. there thinking, yeah. oh, I need, I want to understand this flavor profile. But if I mm. chose a new place, if Lauren <laughs> chose a new place <laughs> yeah. and we're going to go, you know, check this place out. I've already looked at the menu, honey. I already, I'm like, okay. This, I, oh, I never heard of that. Okay. Then when I'm taking that first bite, when I'm getting into it, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't Mm -hmm. automatically say, if I make this at home, this is what I would do. Mm -hmm. I don't automatically go there to the, how I would make it. Got you. Sometimes I do. When my parents came here last year, when I was having my graduation party, I was like, you know what? Let's pretend that we're on a cooking show. So I was like, rate your plate. Like you're an official judge on a food network. And it was the most hilarious thing, especially when my dad was doing it. But I always think that's fun because I want to know, like, what are you experiencing with this food that you're eating currently? I did, uh, when I was in grad school in this tiny little apartment, we did, was it Top Chef? We did a Top Chef competition. It was the messiest, craziest day, but it was so much fun (laughs) with limited ingredients. Like we just had a good, fun time. So I I do like stuff like that. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's now that goes into like what have been some family food favorites for you or traditions that you all have surrounding food? I'm trying to think. Um, that's hard to say. Whenever people ask me about food favorites, I'm like, there's too much food out there to be picking favorites, guys. I eat yeah. a lot of different things. But if yeah. we're talking just specifically family, it's always going to be the stuff surrounding Thanksgiving. Because, mm. you know, I don't eat that throughout the course of a year. So you're always looking forward to that thing. So it's so so let me go back into even to this day, the thing that I would crave even not eating meat. And it, it's more to do with the feeling associated, which I believe that food unlocks those things. If y'all ain't never seen Ratatouille and how that man transported to his childhood, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but like my mom used to make beef stew in the winters. So to this day. In the winter, there's this part of me that's like, if I had a bowl of that right now, I would feel very comforted. I would feel better about life. Mm. <laughs> you know, like it is now yeah. winter. It is time to eat the beef stew. But then the other stuff is like dressing. Of all the mm. dishes that absolutely need to be, all the dishes that absolutely need to be, <laughs> absolutely need to be on the table is it's dressing. dressing. <laughs> like I'll eat mm-hmm. just dressing. Sure. Oh, everything else burned. But the dressing's okay? Fine. Give me a plate of dressing. We straight. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of like family food favorites or traditions. Well, me and my mom have a new tradition of yeah. baking. She, my mom loves to bake, but usually during Christmas when I come home for the holiday, we're trying a new recipe to bake because we already know like what we're mm-hmm. going to cook for like whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas. So like there's not much exploring for like the traditional yeah. foods for the holiday meal, but the baking is usually where she'll keep it the same with like the sweet potato pie. But last year we made a pecan pie. I think this year she did a lot before I mm-hmm. got home, but it was so cute looking at her, like be all excited about trying a new recipe. She made a lemon yeah. pound cake. She made so many different cakes, but that's one of the newer traditions. Food favorites. I've learned that that's a hard question for me to answer because I absolutely love food and there's so much food out there. Uh, I love my mom's baked mm-hmm. beans. I will say that like that's the first thing that I think of. Usually when I'm home, I'm like, can you make some some fried chicken and some baked beans, please? And it's usually ready for me when I get there. Yeah, so those I didn't are one even of my like favorites. baked beans until like maybe three years ago. And even then, it's a very really? I'm not a sweet person. And I didn't really okay. mess with beans like that in general. 
You did but, say that. Um, yeah. And and then when you added the sweet to it, it was just like, what's happening, guys? Like, I'm more yeah. of a savory girl. So I see. it's very little next to the potato salad or the mac and cheese. As long as I get a salty mm-hmm. sweet combo, we're okay. So in this podcast, it talked like it, it talked about their first memories or when they first started. And I think it, it was either Tenori, it was one of the hosts, Tenoria or Candice, both agreed with mm-hmm. Risha, Chef Risha, that they started at age six. That's mad young. Do you recall your first time cooking? Yeah. Yes. It was buttering some buns. <laughs> Not burger buns, but like the regular dinner rolls. My mom has a picture of me buttering some rolls on the counter. That was my first experience in mm-hmm. the kitchen was buttering up some dinner rolls. And that was the most Aww. exciting thing for me as a little girl. And then, I mean, at some point I probably either asked to help out. I don't remember the timeline of it all, but I will say the takeoff for cooking for me, I mean, obviously, because it's a life skill, right? It's not specifically for women, but having my own place was when I started exploring even more so with food. And then as I began traveling, that is where it also changed or shifted my perspective on food. I think when we went to London, that may have been my very first time because we went to that West African Mm -hmm. restaurant, right? And it was a tasting menu. I've not gone that far as exploring because I've not, I've traveled, but not to to different places like that. And that was a really good experience for me. It was a little scary because there were things that I wouldn't necessarily order on my Mm -hmm. own, but it was nice to have that experience. And I appreciated that the chef or the restaurant wanted us to savor the moment because there were different drinks that Mm -hmm. came with whatever you ordered. So that I can appreciate. Whether I liked the food or not, it was just an overall nice yeah. experience. And that is what I get from food, an overall experience, yeah. you know? Don't forget either the next day, I think it was the next day or the day after when we went to that other, It was I think it was a Nigerian oh, spot yes. that was yes. karaoke. That food was bomb. But I had Nigerian food before. Bomb. That may have been my mm-hmm. second time. I had Nigeria, Nigerian food before, and it was it was so damn good. <laughs> After the Girl. concert. I said, this is Joe. After the concert, that food was so good. And it was so random, too. It was like, y'all, they playing some music, and they got food. Yes. Let's go. We were so hungry. And it's not just because we were so hungry. The food was good. The food was the food very was really good. good. But my food palate, I think I get it more from my dad. I think my dad is a bit more adventurous. So mm-hmm. he introduced me to Vietnamese food when I was a little kid. We were mm-hmm. eating it together. That's That was our thing. I've been eating sushi since I was little. Yeah. If I'm traveling, going somewhere, I want to try what these people have and hope to God that my digestive system can survive it. But I think yeah. in, in the same vein that they talk about, you know, in Black Girls Eating about the cultural aspect of food, food is a gateway to understanding culture across race, across whatever. It's a gateway. We all do it. We all eat. We all cook. There's cooking traditions. There's all these different things. There's different reasons for Mm -hmm. cooking certain things, ceremonial Mm -hmm. foods and things like that. I like to experience what those people eat for any given occasion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that, which I'm glad you brought up that point because we'll get to social media. There are people who want to try different foods from different cultures. And what bothers me the most, it's okay if, if you don't like it. 
I just think people need to be sensitive in how they express. Them. Oh, absolutely. Like get, what home I, training do you have? Like you get on the internet and you say you don't like it. Oh, this is disgusting. Why would you disrespect somebody's culture like that? Like, you didn't even have to set your camera up to say that you exactly. Didn't like if it. you didn't like <laughs> you it, just, just don't record it. Just don't post just don't it. Don't record it. Yeah, I think people underestimate that it is a cultural experience. The it's a things you thing. like is highly cultural, and you're socialized yes. into liking those things. So if there's a texture that you're not, it's an entirely new texture for you. The chances of you liking it are slim. If there's a smell that mm-hmm. you're not accustomed to. That doesn't mean it's gross. That doesn't mean it's disgusting. That doesn't mean it's not right. It just means you didn't grow up in that mm-hmm. culture for it. So I'm exactly. I have zero tolerance for that kind of mentality around food. I'm definitely a person who will sacrifice her entire body to be respectful to somebody else's culture. If I come into your house and <laughs> yeah. you make something for me, it might smell whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say my little prayer. I'm going to listen to the story behind this food. And I'm going to understand that you have made that with love and care to me. And I'm going to eat it and I'm going to fix my goddamn face. And we're just going to yeah. fight through it. And pray I'd to imagine. all things good and holy that my digestive system can handle it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've experienced that before. Okay, I did. But it wasn't cultural. Hey, Grandma Ethel, rest in peace. <laughs> so my grandma, my Where dad's Where is this going? I was a kid. My parents would take us to the country to, to be with Grandma Ethel. Sometimes a few days during the summer. And I'm still very much a texture girl. I've gotten a little bit better with eggs, okay? But she would make them very soft. I did not know how to tell grandma this. So I told grandma I was allergic to eggs. Dang. Grandma proceeded to tell my mom. She was like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know Brittany was allergic to eggs. And my mom was like, well, <laughs> she's not allergic. She, the eggs are just a bit too soft for her. I didn't have the heart to tell her I didn't like the eggs. They were way too soft. Like I would, I'm almost gagging as I'm thinking about it. And she was a really good cook. That's just how she made yeah. her eggs. Again, I was also a kid, but that was my whole way yeah. out of it. And I know it's not cultural, but that well, just no, made me think of, cultural, of that. Like how people make their egg. Um, culture doesn't have to be a widespread thing. It can be a culture within family culture. But I love food so much. And what that means for me is on some level training myself to accept a number of different things. So I remember deliberately deciding I'm tired of cutting off an entire sector of eggs. So I'm going to train myself to go as runny as humanly possible. I can eat every kind of egg there is now, which mean, which opens really? me up to so many different dishes, so many different cuisines and stuff like that. And it's so good. I'm like, I've been missing out on this entire situation. because. Yeah. It, and the thing yeah. is, it wasn't because I thought it was nasty. I just wasn't used to runny eggs. Mm-hmm. My mom fries eggs hard or she scrambles hard, but then I would get mm-hmm. softer on the scramble. You know, instead mm-hmm. of poached eggs being well done, I would go softer and softer, 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 softer to the point now give me some yolk, pop it in my mouth. <laughs> like, yeah, really? like I can, it doesn't bother me. Like if it's seasoned well and it's done well, it's delicious. It's almost like a, I look at it kind of like a, just a condiment. Like the yolk inside is a condiment. Yeah, yeah, I've gr- I've gotten to that point. Like I will never forget when I ordered a, a breakfast sandwich and I knew that there was a fried mm-hmm. egg, but I forgot to tell them to fry it hard. This was like a few years ago. This is before I, I got a little yeah. bit better with it. And I took a bite. And that yolk oozed out. I just put it down. Because <laughs> I was like, 
I was not expecting that, and I can't do this. So I did not finish the sandwich. <laughs> now that I can't. <laughs> fighting through the gag. But now I enjoy eggs. I have gotten to the point where I can fry an egg. I'll cook it mm-hmm. medium. That way there's still a little bit runny to it. If I do get a sandwich and there's an egg on it, I'll take it however they make the fried egg. Because now I like it and I understand how people can like dip the bread in it. Because I, I can mm-hmm. appreciate it now. I've not had a poached egg. I don't think I'm ready yeah. for that. I don't know what it is about it, but I'm not ready for that. It just depends on where I am. And if the if that's the dish, I'll probably try it because I've trained myself mm-hmm. a little bit. I did try the soft scramble that you had told me one time to like cook it on super oh, low girl, heat. Oh, girl, a custardy egg. And I put it on some I put it on some toast. I said, "Oh, there's the texture right there." Okay. We we're <laughs> there's the actually crunch. losing the plot a little bit because the name of this episode we are. is the title of the episode is The Sexy Side of Food. Let me tell you something. There is <laughs> nothing sexier than a custardy egg French style. Girl. And I do mean spread because that's how soft it's supposed to be. Like a custard. Spread Mm -hmm. on a slice of toasted brioche bread. Baby, please. Mm -hmm. Marry me. Mm -hmm. Add a little butter in it while you're scrambling. Marry me. What are we talking about? If it takes 30 minutes to make the eggs, you about to have an orgasmic experience, honey. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie to you. That was- It transforms the egg. And I was glad you put me on. (laughs) Yeah. I did not expect myself to like it, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try it. I will it. never lead you and I astray, did. my dear. Ever. I know you wouldn't, but I had to, you know, I had to take my time. <laughs> I'm still not ready for a poached egg, but I'm glad you brought us back to the thing because the name of the, the episode is The Sexy mm-hmm. Side of Food, right? I guess this answers, you do consider food to Absolutely. be sexy. And I think when people hear sexy, they automatically think the obvious definition of it, but sexy <laughs> is exciting. Sexy is... it it creates arousal that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. about the sexual organ right it's sexy is exciting and that's exactly what food is from the presentation Mm -hmm. to the second it is on your fork Mm -hmm. and in your mouth that experience from the time that i smell it the time Mm -hmm. that i see it and the time that Mm -hmm. i eat it that right there is foreplay. I was just about to say, is she about to say foreplay? That right there? Are you kidding me? There is nothing. Listen, there is nothing sexier than one. When you're making food from a place of love, let's just say for a partner, and that partner is in love with what you made, that feeling, hurry up and digest Girl. your food, bro. <laughs> hurry up and digest your food. Hello. <laughs> that, that, that appreciation, that that love for what I just made, what I put love and care into to help nurture you, I'm getting myself excited. And I'm glad that you have just validated that. That's number one. Right. Number two, when he does it. Mm-hmm. Girl, please. He's a good girl. Girl, please. <laughs> it could be breakfast. Okay. Listen. Well, actually, breakfast is a fantastic meal. That's that is my favorite <laughs> meal of the day. It is a fantastic Literally, meal. My favorite but meal. But that act, yeah. watching him in there chopping stuff up. What you in there making, sir? What you doing? <laughs> what you doing? I smell onions. You got the smell. And then he say, you know, you know, a little light work. Okay. He got the smell, and then because he want to show off, he gonna put it on the plate. As nice as he can. Mm-hmm. It might not be as nice as you do, mm-hmm. but not as nice as he can. Right. I was like, okay. <laughs> Look at me with the presentation. Yes. And then don't oh my let God, him I do love it. it. 
I'm telling Hello. you. Sexy. <laughs> Food is sexy. I love the entire process of cooking from the preparation, from going to the store to get the you ingredients. Just get excited. I get so excited when I'm looking at a recipe. I'm like, ah, I already have that in my pantry. Or, ah, I don't really need to buy this. I can mix it up with something else. Like the entire experience doesn't start when the food is on the plate. It started way before during the planning process. I love it. And I, I, I don't know how this is going to translate, listener, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. But I truly don't do well with people when they watch me make something and they say comments like, oh, that's too much. Or, First of all, get out the kitchen. Oh, I, don't, I don't do all of that. I, I don't have patience. I don't have patience to to do that. I didn't ask you. This is obviously not too much for me because I'm doing it. So leave me be. I don't know what that's about, but leave me alone. I've never had that before because I don't be having people around when I'm making something. Unless I'm making it and the person's early or whatever. So for example, this past Friendsgiving, I had a friend around while I was cooking. And the only thing I want from you is a taste test. That's it. And That's it. this friend obliged and it worked out. But other mm -hmm. than that, there's yeah. nothing for you to say. There's nothing. Like, let me have it. Like, leave me alone. I love cooking food. I love trying different things. I've realized that I can make a sexy sandwich. Sandwich I know sexy. I can cook so many. Let me tell you something. I know I could cook so many other things. There's something about sandwiches where I'm like, oh, I'm that girl. I could make a good sandwich. A good You know sandwich. what? What is it about guys and sandwiches? Like, I feel like that's like, always be... a thing for them. They'd be like, oh, and she made me a sandwich. They'd be hype. <laughs> when when they girl or a girl make them a sandwich, she, says, she made this bomb ass. It's always a sandwich story in them talking about a girl they like. So good on you, girl. You ahead of the game. <laughs> Listen, marry me, okay? <laughs> but I made a sandwich the other day. And I bit into it. I said, girl, this don't make no damn sense. I literally was in my kitchen and said, this don't make no sense. And I said, all I needed was some olives. <laughs> this would have been top tier. Like, I'm about to make me a TikTok of myself making you sandwiches. You know, TikTok sandwiches be going viral all the time. I follow a guy that makes sandwiches and he be making all types of sandwiches. And they look good mm -hmm. as hell, too. Food I is sexy. don't make a God lot of sandwiches. But when I do, I treat it like I'm making a lobster tail Steak dinner. Yes. So much care. I'll be having ingredients everywhere because I am putting my <laughs> in, in, look, in this sandwich. In between, I commit in to between it. the spread and the tomato is your foot. Girl, it's there. Toenails and everything. Like I I don't know where it started, but I think because and you can be as creative as you want to be with cooking. It's something about a mm -hmm. sandwich feels incredibly creative yeah. to me how you layer it there's a structure and to it how you layer it flavor proportions because yes. every layer gotta be married to the next layer and there's certain things yes. that you don't think would come together and then you like mm -hmm. this is the perfect sandwich you know yes. I, one of the things that chef risha brought up in the podcast she talked about like she really is obsessed with the science of food like why mm -hmm. things you know why does it brown this way or how can i get it to brown this way or what ratio of this to that? Do you approach food in that same way? Like a science Like you're very interested in the scientific process of cooking. In yeah. a way, yes, because I know what I'm mm -hmm. going for. What's the name of that show? Salt, fat, 
yeah. acid was the show that put me onto the science of it. Like I've always known, but she broke it down mm -hmm. so well. And that's actually where I got introduced to Malden salt. But yes, to answer your question, I am interested in the science of it. I don't think about it, but I understand what ingredient or what oil or butter, like what it's going to One of the me. things that they also brought up that I thought was interesting is this idea of being an, an instinctual cook. Chef Risha said that she had to work to become that. And I realized, yeah. and I think you're the same way, growing up with a mom who was out here barefoot Contessa, I think I just learned by osmosis. I knew yes. I, I'm watching her do the things. I might ask a question like when I went to college, it's like, Ma, what's this and this? But I knew enough to ask the appropriate question. And then I would do what I saw by and not even realizing that, that I mm -hmm. knew how to do the thing. And so mm -hmm. I think I've always been an instinctual cook because I grew up in a place that would have honed those instincts early on. Like, I don't have to ask mm -hmm. how to do this. I remember the earliest culinary memory that I have is making eggs for Cedric. Did I ever get taught how to make eggs? No, I didn't. But somehow yeah. I knew how to make eggs because I grew up in a house where eggs and things were being cooked. I, I remember only one time my mom specifically teaching me how to do something. Two times. And, and one time was just snapping green beans. And I would do that for her. And to this day, every Thanksgiving when I'm doing it, I'm transported back to that space of the first time I learned how to do that. But the other time was when I was in college making the spaghetti sauce. And she's mm. talking to me about if you do too much of this, cut it with this. That's it. I mm -hmm. don't remember other mm -hmm. times where she had to specifically sit me down to teach me how to cook. And I consider us quite privileged that yeah. it, that's not our journey. We're already there. And mm. so it's only up from here, baby. <laughs> up from here. Because where's the restaurant at this point? You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> like, here. Yeah. And that I, I'm glad you brought that point up because I can't recall a very specific time where it's like, here's the ingredient. It was, I watched her. I learned, miraculously, I learned. And I like I said, when I got my own apartment, the love for it increased. But it was always there. But like, I get to do it how mm -hmm. I want to do it. And so the intuition for cooking for me is when people ask me, well, what's the ingredients or like, what's the measurements or how much time I'm, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not even being shady. Like cookies, for example, we were having a girl's night and I popped the cookies in the oven and my friend was like, so what's the, how much time? I said, I don't know when I smell them. <laughs> like I'll check on them when I smell them. And usually it's fine. I don't have, I don't have a timer. It's not the end of the world. I'm paying attention to it. I might be watching TV, but I'm very much aware of what's happening yeah. in the kitchen. <laughs> like I know what's happening. So it's hard for me to explain to people like the measurements of things. I go with the flow. I can't tell you how much salt I put in it. I slowly seasoned and then I- Here's what I I, I've I always know. had this theory. You know, we talk about oh, the, until the ancestors tell you to stop. Yes, that's a funny way to say it, but that's because you grew <laughs> up in an environment where by osmosis, you know what things should be according to your tastes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to say because everybody has different tastes. But according to your taste, mm -hmm. you've seen what it looks like to get to that point. So without you even being aware of it, what's telling you to stop is your sense of smell because you grew up around mm -hmm. it, your, your eyesight mm -hmm. because you've seen it, you've seen the process of it, and maybe even like the sound of something. You know mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be. 
And then if it's something you can taste as you go, you know what it's supposed to taste like. To this day, when I'm making meat for people, this is purely, I'm assuming this is purely based on eyesight and smell. Because what else would it be? I'm not eating it. Everybody's in love with it. So we're, we, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, I think that we're very privileged in that way. Yeah, for sure. I feel the same way about like hair. I grew up Mm -hmm. in a community where we were all doing each other. My mom was doing my hair. We were all doing each other's hair. So you just, you end up knowing how to do it. No one sat me down to say, this is how you cornrow. I remember this thinking to myself, feeling how my mom would braid my hair and trying to reverse engineer that in my mind's eye and be like, (laughs) I now know how to cornrow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then I tested it on my friend and I was like, (laughs) you got it. (laughs) We out here, baby. We out here. We do all kinds of styles. And I I would do like so much, like a lot of advanced styles that my mom never really did. And I can say the same is true about the way I cook. Me going from meat eating to vegetarian and vegan in the early days was the most transformative experience for me Mm. in terms of food and cooking. Mm. I'm a way better cook for it because it exposed Mm. me to an entirely new set of techniques herbs, spices that I would not otherwise Mm. have tested out because I didn't need to. But when you're making vegetables taste good in Atlanta in like 2007, yeah, sure, we got slutty vegan today, but there was none Mm -hmm. of that at that time. And the restaurants that they did have for vegans were expensive restaurants. So it was Mm -hmm. like a treat every now and then. And it was heavily based around faux meats. Now we have... Mm -hmm so many different innovative chefs that are working purely with vegetables and bringing out all of these different expressions of a, of a given vegetable. And it just completely transformed the way I cook, including taking those learnings and bringing them to meat-based dishes. A lot of people think you're limited when you take away meat. No, I'm way more varied because I don't eat meat. Yeah, and, and I appreciated I the part in the podcast when they start talking about that. That was a moment. We've reached a moment in pod where Lauren and I share our favorite moments on the podcast we're discussing. So Lauren, you go first. My favorite part of Black girls eating the sexy side of food would have to be when they start talking about vegetarian stuff. Chef Risha mentioned that she was hesitant about trying an impossible burger, which is always interesting to me. When people say they're hesitant to try something that's vegetarian, it's like, I've seen you eat so many things. Why does the buck (laughs) stop here? Unless it's about like highly processed things. It's like, why does the buck stop here? Anyway. And she was like, it was really good. And I'm here, unsponsored, (laughs) to tell the world. (laughs) Impossible is that girl. Okay? (laughs) She's that girl. She'll make a meatball, a hamburger, a meatloaf, whatever you need. I mean, my thing is, vegetarian faux meats are a treat just like any of the other things that you shouldn't be eating. It's not the basis Mm -hmm. for vegetarianism or veganism, but when you want to scratch your itch, when you want something that's not good for you, you want junk food, by all means, go for it. It's way better than Beyond Burger. Don't get it twisted. There we have it. Period. And then the love for the mushrooms. So I guess it's two moments that I like. Love for the mushrooms because your girl loves mushrooms. mushrooms. My favorite mushroom is the maitake. Mm, Come come on, on. maitake. 
But what was your moment in pod? My moment in pod was when they asked Chef Risha, like, what is her relationship with food and luxury? I know she was talking about it in the sense of like the expensive things that she buys with food, like the lobster, surf and turf, all of that. I thought about it more of just like the luxury experience of food, because that's how much I care about when I cook for myself. And that's how much I care about cooking for when people come over for that. To me, that's a that's an entire experience that I want people to have. And it makes it even better when people appreciate the food that you cooked because you put that yeah. much care into it. So I viewed that the luxury, even though that's not what they asked her in particular, but I viewed it more of like the overall experience of food and the care that I put into yeah. it. But overall, I, I think it's a really good show that the listener can go listen to because it's about food and it's about black girls eating in general. Because we be eating in every way possible. Period. So listener, I declare this meeting of pod club closed. And now I'm hungry. That was Black Girls Eating featuring Chef Risha. Let us know what you think. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you rate and subscribe to Pod Club on Apple, Spotify, and Audible. Five-star reviews only, y'all. Don't play. Email us at podclub.podcast at gmail or send a voicemail to 832-919-8075 to give your take on topics discussed or to suggest some podcasts for us to listen to. And don't forget the socials. We are podclub.podcast everywhere. That's all for this week. Tune in Tuesday. Love you. Mean it. Bye.